Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey guys, it's Perry, and I'm here to let you know that this edition of Collider Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the ultimate DC membership where you can watch, read, shop, and connect. Catch up on original series like Titans and starting November 29th, watch their newest adult animated series, Harley Quinn. Visit www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one and use the promo code Collider to start your free trial. That's www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast O-N-E. Use promo code Collider to start your 14-day free trial, and this code will be valid for you through December 31st, 2019. This episode of Collider Movie Talk is sponsored by Warner Brothers Digital Networks, the operator of DC Universe, which is only available in the U.S. On today's Movie Talk, we've got Rise of Skywalker box office projections. Then we're reviewing the upcoming Little Women movie directed by Greta Gerwig. And Elizabeth Banks has a brand new directing gig. Apparently, it's Invisible Woman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collider Movie Talk this wonderful Wednesday. I hope you are ready to sit back and relax and hear about some movie news while you plan for your holiday. Safe travels to all out there. Hello, Hello. Scott Vance and John Roca. Hello. How are you? How are you guys doing? I don't even have to ever ask you how you're doing. You walk into the studio glowing every (laughs) single time. Because I am happy to be here. Collider is my happy place because I love everyone working. I love everyone. You're all my friends, and we're all like-minded or passionate about movies. What's not to love? It's either because of that or because of whatever Roka's drinking. I don't know what that is, (laughs) but it boosted his mood this morning. It's raining. It's pouring. Get ready, because this show ain't going to be boring. Let's have some fun. You're so in the holiday spirit. And tonight, John Roka will be snoring. (laughs) That's right. All right. Let's get into this first story here. It is some box office projections for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. This report comes from Variety, and apparently the movie right now is on pace for a start between $175 million and $200 million. This is according to early tracking, and... You know, we know sometimes tracking is right, sometimes it's not. Of late, it has not been right. So you guys hear this number. How much weight do you put in it? Do you think it was too high, too low? You go, John. Well, I think for me personally, uh, it struck me as being a little low. And I know people are like, what's $200 million? How could that be low? But everything you have to take in context, and that is... Force Awakens was what two forty five or two forty two something like that. Uh, uh, Last Jedi is two twenty right around there, and this is coming at one seventy five to two hundred, which means it could go to one seventy five. That to me speaks volumes about how fractured the Star Wars fan base is, and how they're not as excited overall as they have been in times past to go and see these kinds of movies. And uh, you know, this is and it isn't just another installment. This is the wrap up. And as the wrap-up, I believe there should be way more buzz about in terms in terms of the box office and the early tracking for this in the $250 million range, in my opinion. Because, I mean, you look at, what, Avengers Endgame, that was at 240-something, 260-something? Uh, three, 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 three. You're right, 325, sorry. Three, five, seven. I, I remember we were all going crazy that it was even coming close to 300, but three, whatever it was, it was pretty incredible. Star Wars 
has been around much longer than the MCU and Marvel and has been in our lives for so long that I'm shocked that it's kind of this low. Okay, I agree with all your points, but you also have to keep in mind that when The Force Awakens opened the 2015 to $247 million, we mm. hadn't had a Star Wars movie in 10 years. We hadn't had anything in Star Wars in 10 years, but we had a couple of Star Trek movies that J.J. directed. Mm-hmm. So it was new product, but it was also the return of Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford to the franchise, of course, right. also Chewbacca, R2-3PO. You know, it felt like a Star Wars movie. But now, so between the uh, disappointment of Solo and the divided fan reaction of The Last Jedi, uh, Star Wars has sort of been taken down a couple of notches mm. in terms of, like, expectations. But you also, let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, you have on Disney Plus The Mandalorian, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. The Mandalorian is the best thing to happen to Star Wars since the Empire Strikes Back. It is that good because it is different. It is dark. It is mature. It is daring. But it very much feels like Star Wars, which is all the things that I loved about the Empire Strikes Back. But I digress. The mm-hmm. point is, is that there's more Star Wars product out there. So the anticipation isn't as high. Having said that, $200 million, not a bad opening by any measure, sure. even a Star Wars one. And I actually think that, you know what, because like you pointed out, John, that this is the last of this saga that started in 1977 and uh, the payoff could be really, really big. I think that these numbers are conservative and low. Yes. I think the movie is going to get closer to $250 million. Oh. That's just domestic. That's mm-hmm. not worldwide. Okay. okay. Now, that's a big number. Um, bringing up uh, a conservative number here, I think it's important to read this piece from the Variety article. They're saying uh, Disney is aiming to manage expectations since tracking <laughs> has been unreliable in recent yeah. weeks, but box office watchers are optimistic that Rise of Skywalker will end the year on a high note. Overall, ticket sales have plunged over 7% from last year, according to Comscore. So exhibitors and studios alike are banking on an especially lucrative holiday movie going season to help close the gap. So that's why we might be seeing a number that looks like this right now. And as we always say, whenever we cover box office tracking, that's right now as we inch closer and we get more marketing and the hype continues to build that number will change Mm -hmm. when reviews come out that number could change fairly significantly and just so you guys have a very clear picture of where this range stands in the latest star wars releases here's a chart of all of the openings we had force awakens open up with 248 million dollars last jedi kicked off its run with 220 Mm -hmm. rogue one opened up with 155 and then we had solo open up with 80 (laughs) Four million. So, you know, admittedly, when I saw these numbers and I noticed specifically that it was lower than Last Jedi, I was thinking, oh, you know, that that, that sounds like a little bit of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Could that reflect the divide in the franchise? But I think there's even more to it than that because... I was looking back at Force Awakens in particular and looking at the release calendar, and I think, you know... Most other parts of the year were saying things like, oh, Avengers Endgame is just obliterating all competition around it. Whereas it seems like in December, as of late, some of the wealth, even with the juggernaut like Star Wars in the mix, some of the wealth is getting spread around a little. It's like we have a movie like Jumanji that, yes, opens the weekend before, but the last installment proved that that's a series that could have legs. So I think there are opportunities for something like Jumanji and Cats to make money. And we saw that same thing happen happened with Last Jedi and its competition. Well, I think it's as far as like the box office projections and tracking. Mm-hmm. You're right. Tracking has been off. But <clears throat> in most of the cases where the tracking has been off, the tracking, the projections have been conservative, 
low. Ford versus Ferrari, which is a right. terrific movie, was projected to open in the low 20s, and it opened with $31 million. And everyone loves this movie. Everyone mm-hmm. loves Ford versus Ferrari. Even in its second weekend, when it got obliter- obliterated by Frozen 2, it still held on less than, uh, it was a less than 50% yeah, drop. 49% well, drop. Disney went with this same path with projections with Frozen. Those mm-hmm. numbers, those expectations, those projections mm-hmm. were Bingo. lower, mm-hmm. and then Frozen right. came out, That's and it right. surprised everyone with a higher number. But we have seen a lot of uh, expectations come in way above what a movie was going to make, like, let's say, Dr. Sleep or Terminator Dark right, Fate right. The, and Charlie's Angels. Charlie's There's Angels. a whole bunch of studio releases that turned out to be major disappointments well under tracking. Well, it's always good to under promise and over deliver, right? And I think Disney's playing that game with Frozen and it worked out for them. Uh, you know, it's all about looks. It's all about branding. It's all about how it's going to look overall. And Perry, you bring up an interesting point with Jumanji and with uh, uh, with Greatest Showman as we saw that that was the year of the Jedi, right? And I was a big fan of Showman, but of course that only opened for like, I think it only opened at like 90 million that weekend. It was never number one. It was never number one. And then you look at Jumanji, nobody expected that thing. I mean, I was there for that first junket, and I remember the, all the representatives from Sony were telling me, we would just be happy if we came in at number two. Mm-hmm. We're not expecting, and then it just really blew up. So you talk about this, but here's what helped that situation happen, was the divisiveness of mm-hmm. Last Jedi. That has to be factored in. It's not about just the competition. It's the fact that the product you put out was divisive. If this comes out and devi- is divisive, then yes, I think everything you just laid out will absolutely happen to uh, the Rise of Skywalker as well. But if it comes out and it's incredible, then I think it will obliterate whatever the competition is, no matter what they did two years ago. And I think I do think that there's something to be said about the mixed reactions to The Last Jedi and Solo. Of mm. course, you have your fans who love those movies, and hats off to them. I mean, I, I think both movies have their merits, but of course, both movies also had their detractors. Yeah. Critics really like The Last Jedi. Like, critically, True. True. on Rotten Tomatoes, it actually had a really positive score. It was the fans, like a lot of the fans, not all of them, but but certainly a lot of them were burned. But again, I'm going back to The Mandalorian here. I think because The Mandalorian is a weekly show, not just one thing, Mm. but people are watching The Mandalorian and episode after episode, they are going, wow, this is a really great show. So all of the burn that some of the fans felt with Last Jedi and Solo, they are getting won over. They're getting winning back to the Star Wars series because of the greatness of the Mandalorian. I love I love it. I and really I think do think the fact that Mandalorian has arrived and it is it it seems to be very widely loved right now. I think that actually I don't think it's necessarily going to, you know, bump it up 50 million or something, but I do think the Mandalorian is working in Rise of Skywalker's favor a little bit. Well, hang on, hang on. I just okay. want to say one thing about the Mandalorian. What's that? I mean, first of all, Baby Yoda. I cannot get it. I was of waiting Yoda. for those yeah. words Baby to be uttered. Yoda. You had said Yoda. so many wonderful oh. things about Mandalorian, and it took you that long to bring up Baby, Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Okay, now you you mean to tell me so Mandalorian just to, just to sort of uh, anticipate mm-hmm. where where uh, Rise of Skywalker could be going. So you're introducing Baby Yoda in the Mandalorian, which takes place five years after Return of the Jedi. You might pull yes. about spoilers. Uh, this is not a, quite, not, yeah, a spoiler, yeah, yeah. not a spoiler. Not a spoiler. Just putting the warning out there in case. What yep. if? What if the Mandalorian is tied to the rise of Skywalker? 
I've thought about that. I believe mm-hmm. I, I don't want to throw out a name and give this theory, <laughs> put this theory on someone's shoulders yeah. if it didn't come from them. But someone had pointed out because I believe that week the episode of The Mandalorian hits on Wednesday and not mm. Friday. And yes, that might be because Rise of Skywalker is in theaters. But mm. I just wonder if there's going to be oh. something in that episode that you need. Oh, oh my God. Right. But oh, I don't, you know, that, that could be a stretch. They, no. they really could, but they really could have just moved the release of that episode to ensure people have time to stay yeah. home and watch it because everyone's going to be going out to see Rise of Skywalker in theaters. I don't know. It's a fun thing to think about, Can though. Can I push back on this enthusiasm a little bit? Come on! All right, here's the deal. <laughs> the Mandalorian is made by Dave Filoni and John Favreau. It has nothing to do with the Rise of Skywalker or the people who created Rise of Skywalker. That is important to understand. Fans will disseminate the difference between the two. And we'll, it's not because, oh, I see Rise of Skywalker. That means they're going to get this thing right. No, it just means I love this. I really hope this works. That's what I think most of the fandom is approaching this as two separate things. Just because Black Panther is good doesn't mean Captain Marvel is going to be good. And it it just, it's all you got to take on its own thing. You oh, hope it's going to be good, no, but, but you don't necessarily think is, it's going to be good. There is truth to a franchise building momentum yes. with with good things. I sure, that, but that is but, what it is. Yeah, well, possibly because it's like this is a TV show. That's a movie. Once again, two different things. No, I guess they are two different things. Yeah. I mean, this there, there's never been a live action Star Wars TV series, right. and it's been so far. I've seen three episodes. Three episodes are posted, yeah. and I, I've loved them all. Especially the third one was yeah. amazing. Yeah. But I don't think the idea that the Mandalorian is a standalone thing that doesn't tie in at any way to the final installment of the Epic Saga, Episode Nine. I don't think that they would just sort of make it standalone and not have it tie in at all. Uh, I'm sure. They will. It would be very smart. It would be very yep. smart for their service yeah, that course. they're putting a lot in right now. And yeah. especially when you look at what that same company is doing with Marvel, where they are purposely right. tying the two yeah. things right. together yeah. so yeah. strongly. Right. I'm not saying right. it's not possible. I'm just saying I, I oh wonder if gosh. fans are going, uh, uh, this is cool. Uh-huh. I don't know about this because there's a track record for this that isn't 100% positive while there's a track record for Mandalorian that is 100% positive right now. So let me get this straight. So the last episode of the Mandalorian is going to drop on Disney+. Plus. It's after Christmas, the last it, episode of Mandalorian, I believe. Okay, okay, gotcha. But the week... But the episode she's talking about will be the week of it. Okay, the, the week that Rise of the Jedi opens on Friday, that episode of Mandalorian will drop on a Wednesday and then Rise yeah. of the Skywalker yeah. will open on a Friday and then the last episode will be the following week. There's... So, Oh, my gosh. So for for some (laughs) dates right now, we're talking specifically about episode six. First, it drops on December 13th, which is when Jumanji opens. But then the next episode of The Mandalorian hits on December 18th. And uh, then after that, we get another episode. That's the Taika Waititi episode. And that drops on December 27th. So the question is for everyone watching. The question is for everyone watching and listening. (laughs) Do you think that The Mandalorian will pay off in Rise of the Jedi? That's the question. Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I, what did I say? Rise Jedi. of the Jedi. <laughs> Which is all right. It might be the Rise of the Jedi with Skywalker. Skywalker. But I, I think you, you might, you might, you bring up a great point, Perry. They may, it may be one of two things. One, are they dropping it just to kind of clear that weekend? Or are they dropping it because, like a lot of series we've seen recently, the penultimate episode is the episode to, to watch. Not the finale necessarily of a season, but the one right before the finale. It certainly happened with Game of Thrones almost every season. So maybe they're doing the same thing here with Mandalorian, same formula, and they're connecting 
introducing something into the Rise of Skywalker. I don't think it'll be like an integral part of Rise of Skywalker, but certainly it'll have something for fans to kind of pay off watching the series. This is very exciting. I would bet on it at this point, and I think it might be more so coming from wishful thinking, just because I think that would be really cool, and I've been really really enjoying Mandalorian in general, but in particular, I love Mandalorian culture and lore, and I don't know, even if it's just like a sliver of representation Mm -hmm. on the big screen, I kind of want to see that pop up in some capacity. it's definitely wishful thinking, and I and I hope that that you know that I hope that does happen. Hope okay, wait. Be before amazing. we move on to Little Women, quickly around the table, where do you think right now uh, Rise of Skywalker is going to land? I know you already said two fifty. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Barring good, if it's good reviews, two fifty. If okay. it's mixed reviews, one ninety, oh, one ninety five. Okay. All right, Perry. What about you? You're kind of cheating the system. I wanted you to pick one number. <laughs> I can't pick in a vacuum. Okay. I think I'm coming in right around Last Jedi right now. I have a feeling, I have a feeling that, and again, this is, it's wishful thinking, but I can't help it. I Mm -hmm. like looking on the bright side. I do think that JJ is going to deliver a crowd pleaser to wrap things up. I I think that the end of the Skywalker saga is going to add some added hype that maybe Last Jedi had a little less of. I'm coming in right around 220 right now. Okay. I just see people complaining a lot about that clip already. Like, oh, they fly now? They fly now? People are complaining about that already. Well, so I'm like, people are waiting. People, so there are some admittedly, people. Admittedly, I complained missing. about it, but yeah. I will fully admit it's a 30-second clip that's taken out of context within the actual film itself. Sure. That could play better. You're and a logical also, narrative person. A lot of, maybe some of the fans aren't. Yeah. Also, for those of us old enough to remember who are actually there, hello, when The Empire Strikes Back came out in 1980, everyone complained that it was too dark. When yeah. Return of the Jedi came out in 1983, everyone complained about the Ewoks, and they're still complaining about the Ewoks. They will always find something to complain about. I will never complain about Ewoks. Ever, ever, ever. I will. In the end, it is a Star Wars movie. You look like you belong on Endor right now. It should have been Wookiees. It should have been Wookiees. Oh, yeah, yeah, with this thing. (laughs) Han Solo should have died. I would seriously believe it, too. Like, you want a speeder or something? Han Solo should have died in Return of the Jedi, (laughs) just like Harrison Ford wanted. Right, right, right. But he did, you know. All right, all right. We'll see how these predictions pan out. Love DC movies, shows, and comic books? Well, we have good news for you. DC Universe, the ultimate DC membership, is offering a special 14-day free trial to our listeners. Visit dcuniverse.com slash podcast O-N-E and use promo code COLLIDER to start your free trial. DC Universe has so much to offer, including their action-packed original series like Doom Patrol, Young Justice, Outsiders, Swamp Thing, and Titan Season 2. It doesn't stop there. The highly anticipated adult animated series Harley Quinn premieres November 29th. Tune in to see Harley, voiced by Kaylee Cuoco, break things off with the Joker and attempt to make it on her own. Will she be the newly liberated queen pin of Gotham City? Catch new episodes every Friday. If you want to experience more DC, watch new animated films, enjoy classic animated series remastered in HD, binge some fan-favorite DC shows, watch classic films, and so much more. If reading is more your thing, DC Universe has over 20,000 digital comics that you can access at your fingertips. DC Universe is available on your favorite devices so you can watch on the go. Don't waste any time. Start your 14-day trial today. Visit www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one and use promo code COLLIDER. That's www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one, promo code COLLIDER to start your 14-day free trial. The code is valid through 1231.19. Jedi Council is sponsored by Warner Brothers Digital Networks, the operator of DC Universe. DC Universe is only available in the U.S soon enough. Next up, we actually have a movie talk review for you right now. We're going to review Greta Gerwig's latest film. It's Little Women. So, 
before we even jump into our reviews, I've managed to do what I think is the impossible. I have avoided in my life all forms of little women. This is the first time I've ever <laughs> experienced the story in full. You you guys know my taste in film, yeah. and I tend to shy away from, you know, like schmaltzy romantic period piece type things. So I never thought I would like a movie like this. I I felt so hard for it. I was like in a puddle of my own tears throughout Why? a good deal of this movie. What was it that you connected to? I think the thing that I connected to more so than anything was was the sister element. Okay. There's there's certain things like I don't want to spoil anything for folks who don't know the story like I did because mm-hmm. a lot of things did come as a nice surprise to me. But you know, there's instances of you know, let's say Saoirse Ronan and, and Florence Pugh maybe butting heads at point and then seeing them come together at other points. Just so much of that rings so true as someone who has a sibling that now I'm very close to. And I don't know. It's just I found the emotion of that part of the movie kind of, like almost overwhelming. What do you think, John? I absolutely loved it. And yeah. I went in like this. I went in yeah. like a dude going in to go be like, I don't want to see these four girls doing whatever this is all about, but I have to watch it uh, because I have to vote in the LOFCS voting. And I was like, okay, but I thoroughly, thoroughly loved it. And I was in tra- I was supposed to go to another screening, missed that screening because I wanted to finish watching the movie. I didn't know it was two hours and 20 minutes long. So I, 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 thor- I stayed the whole time and absolutely loved it. Liked it way better than that 90s version with Monona Ryder and Susan Sarandon. I thought this... What Greta Gerwig did here was leap to the next level as a director. From Lady Bird to this is almost uh, a, a like flying to the moon. Her eye is so smart now. Her ability to pace a film correctly. Her genius to do the time jumping thing that she does in the film is incredible as well. And the performances that she gets out of this phenomenal cast from like Chris Cooper all the way to Cersei Ronan is incredible. Tracy Letts, who is a, has, a, has a fun little, has a fun few scenes in it, is incredible. But more than anything else, it's the way she paces the film that gets you excited and interested, and the way she kind of massages some of the harder edges of the characters to make it fit within the world, sh- the story she wants to tell uh, with this version of Little Women. I was incredibly surprised by all of it. And by the end, like you, Perry, I was in tears, but I was certainly in love with the characters I saw on screen and wanted like an idiot wanted a sequel. I legitimately wanted a sequel Little when women I walked out. Little okay. Women 2. There you go. Now, I would watch that. I, I, I disagree with everything you both said. Mm. I think that Greta Gerwig, it, it, is a, it is a more ambitious film yeah. than uh, Lady Bird. I mean, I've related more to Lady Bird just because it was uh, more contemporary. I mean, it, it's modern. Uh, Little Women, I've, all I read was the book when I was, when I was a kid mm. in school. But uh, I just really admired the way she took the source material, stay true to it, stay true to the, to the time setting, but there were still elements of the story, of the relationships, of the way that the characters thought, especially Joe Marsh, played by uh, Saoirse Ronan, who's yeah. looking at an Oscar nomination for Best Actress. I felt like there were elements of the film that felt very current and contemporary and modern, and I think it's a wonderful, wonderful film. Saoirse Ronan is just the definition awesome. of a lead actor. Mm-hmm. Yep. She is such a strong anchor for this movie, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I feel like that's a very difficult role to nail in a sense, especially you know, I'm watching this and seeing her opposite Florence Pugh, who deliver. I she is incredible. She's having quite the year. Yes. I think of the entire cast, I might be rooting for Florence Pugh the most, yep. but I think it's because that role is. 
I, I guess I would describe it as like a little showier in a sense. There, she has certain moments in the movie that feel like you know. Sometimes you walk away from these things and you're like, "That's your Oscar clip moment. That's what they're oh, going to yeah, play." The consideration. Yeah, and yeah. something yeah. something with the the role that Florence Pugh has makes that a little easier to picture. Whereas, you know, I don't want to necessarily call Joe like the straight woman of the bunch, but she, she's the heart. She's the she foundation, is. and you know, with with the endeavors that she's trying to achieve, I feel like. Uh, you know, hitting peak emotion with a role like that is very, very challenging, mm-hmm. but she navigates that path so well where, especially with the time jump thing, it's all over the place, but they, they hit the climax for that character at just the right point, yeah. and it, it really, like, it felt like the ultimate punch to the gut to me, and it was so well earned. I think the time jump thing really does um, help volume, or give, how can I say this? I think the time jump thing really helps Florence Pugh's character helps you to appreciate who she is as an actress. What she plays in one section of the movie versus what she plays in a later section of the movie. And you're just like, this is incredible. And you're 24. To me, and I'm I'm out of my freaking mind for saying this, but this is akin to Orson Welles and what he did in Kane. She has this talent at such a young age that I can already see four Oscars in this woman's future. From fighting with the fa- with your family, fighting with the family to Midsommar to Lady Macbeth to this, the woman is an absolute powerhouse, and she's only twenty four years old. Lady Macbeth it's, was terrific. You're right. It's yeah. mind blowing to me. Cersei, great. you're right, Perry. Cersei has been a lead since like. 12 years old. She just has this energy of hers that she's going to go forward yeah. on this. She was but nominated. I want to give a little love to, to Laura Dern. I like this role better than the Marriage Story role. I think she should be nominated for this for Best Supporting Actress than Marriage Story. I think she had more to do here than she did in Marriage Story. So I'm, I'm happy to see Laura Dern getting back into our eyes again as we a incredible actress. We haven't even mentioned Timmy Chalamet. Oh, yeah, Chalamet, who's he's, he, so solid. He's, he's got, like, quite the load to lift in this yeah, as well. And yeah. I think what you bring up with uh, with Florence Pugh and just showing off her skill set with the time jump and seeing the two contrasts as to where that character is at those points in her life, yeah. you could apply the same thought to uh, Timmy Chalamet, too, and what he does with that role. Yes. The, only, the only flaw with the film... And it didn't ruin the movie, but it was definitely noticeable. Was that the two hour and twenty minute running time? It did oh. feel a little long. Yeah, yeah. You know, for I you. definitely, okay. you know, like, like, uh, you know, towards the end, felt like it was going to wrap, and it kept going. Mm. And you know, that's okay. Yeah. You know, because I mean, it, it. I liked where it went. I certainly liked where it went. Uh, but I think it's a wonderful film. It's a ravishing film. And uh, yeah, I think Florence Pugh really stood out. Among this ensemble, yeah. uh, and, 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 and along with uh, Sersha Ronan, and uh, Amazing Year, she started the movie Fighting With My Family. She sort of ended the year with another version of Fighting With My Family. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought so about that. So she ended the year with two Fighting With My Family, Kaiser but it's a wonderful film. I love Little Women. I don't want to completely overlook Emma Watson and Elizabeth Scanlon either, right. because yes. even though everybody's talking about Sersha Ronan and Florence Pugh deservedly right now, mm-hmm. I thought the two of them made the most of what they had. And I don't know, I'm just very impressed. And again, this is coming from someone who has no familiarity with the source mm-hmm. material whatsoever. I do, I will say, I do feel driven now to actually read it after <laughs> managing to avoid it throughout my entire school career. But uh, 
the two of them and especially the way that Greta Gerwig gives every single member of the ensemble a very full arc Mm -hmm. that is not an easy thing to achieve even with a two hour 20 minute running time and you know that's part of the reason why I was glad the movie Mm -hmm. was as long as it was because you know no one got shafted everyone got a very full very human story Mm -hmm. and I think you already brought it up Roka Mm -hmm. the pacing of this movie Mm -hmm. never made it feel that long to me the only thing that made it feel long was the fact that I got exhausted from crying at a point and I'm like oh I need to go to bed well the uh, the book written by Louisa May Alcott yeah. uh, she did right by the book and she also mm-hmm. made a movie that whether you read the book or not it's still a wonderful movie on its yep. own terms yep. you don't need to see any of the other versions just see this one all right that is our review of Little Women. We have one more topic to hit today, and it's the Invisible Woman story. But first, we've got some stuff to tell you about. Good thing Mance is on the table for this one, because we have some great Arclight FYC screenings. Oh Two of them coming up. First one we're going to tell you about is this Joker screening. If you want to get tickets to this, you can find all the information on Collider.com. It's happening on Tuesday, December 3rd, so you're going to want to check that out. It's going to have a Q&A with the director of photography on the movie, and then on on top of that, we also have a screening for Rocket Man. Uh-huh. Another wow. Q&A for this one on Saturday, December 7th. And we've got Taryn Egerton, Jamie Bell, and Dexter Fletcher on board for this one. A lot of good stuff coming your way for Collider FYC with the screenings, just with the show in general. It's been a good season thus far. Very excited. So mm-hmm. now we have a little video we want to share with you because as some of you know, I recently went off to Cabo for the Jumanji, the next level junket, and I got to tick off an item on my bucket list. Bungee jumping. Now you can see it for yourself. Roll the video. What's up, guys? Perry here in Cabo for what is essentially my junket dream come true, talking about movies, specifically Jumanji The Next Level, and going bungee jumping. It's no big deal. It's going to be fine. Let's go do it. It's happening. We're making our way out to uh, the gondola that we're going to jump off. It's right there. And uh, this is what we're jumping into. lucky I love movies so much otherwise I might run off and become a professional bungee jumper but this whole thing was incredible riding a UTV across that bridge there getting to bungee jump getting to talk to the cast of the film Jumanji next level in theaters December 13th hope you enjoyed this video see you guys soon I can't stop smiling watching that. That might be one of my favorite moments of all of 2019. <laughs> I was so excited to go bungee jumping. You, you probably know I didn't stop talking about no. it a couple of days before I left. Yeah, but I think that's. I think it was. It looks great. It looks fantastic. I watched and The Rock retweeted you. I know. <gasps> the Rock retweeted. That was so cool. He's was really like, super cool. This is my first He's time there. meeting Dwayne Johnson, yeah. and you know it, the reputation is totally true. What He's a what massive. a cool, cool, passionate, kind guy. Mm-hmm. Um. Would you ever go bungee jumping? No. Really? No. 
Not, not for you me. would? Oh, yeah. Okay. Animal I would harpies. go skydiving, though. I would, I'd rather go skydiving than bungee jumping. See, this I have I'll more fear of I'll go skydiving with you. bungee uh, jump. Really? Yeah, FYC oh. skydiving. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Do, can we just make that a thing for no reason? Skydiving, I would absolutely. Bungee jumping, it's weird because, you know, bungee jumping, you're not too far to drop. But what if right. the thing snaps? But then what, oh, if the, no. what if the parachute doesn't open? So, but you could yeah, play I would that game with any extreme sport. I think the big difference between the two is that – so skydiving, especially if you're new to skydiving, you have to go with like an instructor. You yeah. have to go tandem. So you're attached to a pro. Mm-hmm. They can kind of nudge you out of the plane a little bit. I think the only point where I actually felt nerves bungee jumping was I was totally fine. And then all of a sudden when you're on that platform, that gondola, and you step – and I was the first one to go. <laughs> so I stepped to the edge, and that's where it sinks in that – you like, like all you <laughs> have to fling yourself off this yeah. platform into like the abyss. That's wow. where you I know saw you. I a saw little it. twinge of nerves. You I, see my you can hand see the because you can see when Perry gets ready. When Perry's nervous or something, she has to settle into her core. Yeah, and you can see her legs kind of flay out a little bit, and then she goes, "F it!" And I was like, "You right. didn't, you didn't hear that. my like." 20 questions to the guy too because it was a very (laughs) strict form you had to jump off with in order for like the experience you for you to experience to its fullest and its safest and it's like you're supposed to go out superman style and like keep your eyes straight ahead and i i must have repeated like superman straight ahead like 20 times over before i actually jumped off the ledge wow that's so awesome good job yeah way to go all right let's roll into that final topic of the day we're talking about a new project for Elizabeth Banks. She's set to star in and direct Invisible Woman for Universal. So the deal is with this one because we also have uh, Lee Wanell's Invisible Man coming up. So um, this is all information about the, the previous versions. We're hearing that the Invisible Woman movie will not be linked to Lee Wanell's upcoming The Invisible Man, but that the movies are inspired by the same story, presumably that story being 1933's The Invisible Man movie. So you guys hear this. I have so many questions. First, let's start with Elizabeth Banks. I'm not sure who here saw Charlie's Angels, mm, but do you have faith in Elizabeth Banks as far as her being a director going forward? Well, you know, the fact that this news broke after Charlie's Angels underperformed big time with a with an $8 million opening and the reviews were not kind, but yet the studio is still moving forward with her starring and directing the movie, that Look, they, they could have looked at the opening of Charlie's Angels and been like, let's dodge this bullet and get someone else. But they still showed faith in Elizabeth Banks to direct this movie. So if the studio is showing faith in them after Charlie's Angels, I'm showing faith in her too. Also because, you know what, Charlie's Angels had a $50 million budget and it looked like it had a lower budget. And it just didn't have the cast. The cast didn't have the gravitas of what the first two movies mm-hmm. did with Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu. And then McGee directed those movies. Didn't have the style. It didn't have the strength of it. Uh, you know, those movies are, are from 2000 to 2003. Uh, you know, Charlie's Angels had a lot going against it. But I still feel like if the studio was still banking on Elizabeth Banks. hey Come on. Go with the puns. Go big or go home. Um, if they're still going to uh, put their money in the banks, 
Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Come on. Come on. You can't end on two. We need one more. You got to round it out with I a third. I need more in the drink. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, if, they, if they're willing to not go bankrupt. Hey, oh. Okay. It's okay. Enough. No, seriously. I, I, I like Elizabeth Banks a lot. I believe her as an actress, as a producer, as a trailblazer, as a director. You know, look, so what? So Charlie's Angels didn't do well. The studio is still moving forward with her for, for, for Invisible Woman. Go for it. I liked Charlie's Angels mm-hmm. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of fun with it, but I will repeat what I said in my review is that I think a lot of my enjoyment came from cast chemistry. I really liked that trio. And while I think she did a fine job directing the movie, I didn't mm-hmm. see anything that made me say, oh, red flags here and here and here for your directing abilities. I still get no sense of style from her. Right, it's like, I want to know right. what you're capable of that I'm not going to get from another director. Mm-hmm. And until I see that, I'm not going to necessarily see a breaking news story like this and be super pumped for Elizabeth Banks directing another movie. I hope that maybe this will change that, but I don't necessarily think that even though I like Charlie's Angels, that changed how I feel about her behind the lens. Love DC movies, shows, and comic books? Well, we have good news for you. DC Universe, the ultimate DC membership, is offering a special 14-day free trial to our listeners. Visit dcuniverse.com slash podcast O-N-E and use promo code COLLIDER to start your free trial. DC Universe has so much to offer, including their action-packed original series like Doom Patrol, Young Justice, Outsiders, Swamp Thing, and Titan Season 2. It doesn't stop there. The highly anticipated adult animated series Harley Quinn premieres November 29th. Tune in to see Harley, voiced by Kaylee Cuoco, break things off with the Joker and attempt to make it on her own. Will she be the newly liberated queen pin of Gotham City? Catch new episodes every Friday. If you want to experience more DC, watch new animated films, enjoy classic animated series remastered in HD, binge some fan-favorite DC shows, watch classic films, and so much more. If reading is more your thing, DC Universe has over 20,000 digital comics that you can access at your fingertips. DC Universe is available on your favorite devices so you can watch on the go. Don't waste any time. Start your 14-day trial today. Visit www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one and use promo code COLLIDER. That's www.dcuniverse.com slash podcast one, promo code COLLIDER to start your 14-day free trial. The code is valid through 1231.19. Jedi Council is sponsored by Warner Brothers Digital Networks, the operator of DC Universe. DC Universe is only available in the U.S. Yeah. I have a lot of complicated feelings on this. I mean, I, I think she's incredibly funny. I think when she's doing her acting uh, comedy wise, she's mm-hmm. great. I rarely buy her in dramas. I think she's limited in that way. Um, but you can't deny what she did in box office pitch perfect too, but that was Kay Cannon's thing. Right. And she took it over in the second film and directed, made all this money. Great. But pitch perfect one had been the sensation. So how much of it was Elizabeth Banks? How much of it was the IP? Then we get to uh, Charlie's angels. It underperforms. Uh, but once again, that's source material, just like Pitch Perfect. And now we're into uh, uh, Invisible Woman, which is source material. So I think there's a great point you bring up, Perry. What's her style? We ha- if we are not seeing her style off of source material, we have to ask ourselves, what is her style? What is the draw here? It's interesting they announced it right after the uh, uh, the fact that it sank. Uh, Charlie's Angels is an interesting move. But look, how many years in Hollywood have we seen men do well, then then not do well with their next movie, and then get another opportunity. So to me, I have no problem with her getting this opportunity. My concern is what is she going to do with it? And those comments, whether taken, whether misconstrued or taken out of context, how does that affect the movie-going audience who might go see this thing? 
Because remember, the original, the original Invisible Woman is kind of a comedy. So mm-hmm. is she going to do comedy right. with this? And if she does, I'm all for it. Yeah, if she, she does will. drama and put herself in it as the star, that to me unsettles me a little bit because I didn't like that she put herself in Charlie's Angels. You don't need to. There's another actress that could have played that I, part. So there's a little ego working here as well, which is okay. It's Hollywood, male or female. There's egos all over the, the place. She wasn't the she lead. She wasn't, but she that. put herself on the poster. But also, when it comes to her... her uh, Talent as a as a dramatic actress. Mm-hmm. What was the movie she did last year? The dark version of Superman. Uh, oh yeah, Brightburn. Oh, Brightburn. Brightburn. She was great in Brightburn. She was great in Brightburn, and okay. the movie was really good. Under underappreciated, underseen movie. It's a very good movie. That was Brightburn. this year. Yeah, that was, was this year. year. Yeah, it was earlier this Holy year. Moly. It went like wow. this. Yeah, Poof. that's the point. Yeah, it just mm. came and went. So Brightburn definitely worth seeing. But you know, when I saw that she was directing a visible woman i went oh okay interesting all right well they must really have faith in her and as far as what is her style in order for her to define her style she needs to direct a movie that is not based on an existing ip certainly possible so look at ryan johnson who did looper and Mm. then he did last jedi now he's back with knives out which is very very much well a great movie knives out but it's also the movie he wanted to make, it is his style. Right. So I think in order to find out what her style is, maybe the maybe she should at some point, maybe before Invisible Woman or after, make an indie, make a, a movie that's an original film where she can really put her style into it. But having said that, uh, I'm definitely on I'm Team Banks. So I think an excellent example of what you just said, because I was desperately trying to think of a director who just like burst onto the scene with, you know, an adaptation or a sequel or something that came before that wasn't an original IP. But then I started to think of the example of Lee Wanell, who mm-hmm. made his feature directorial debut, Insidious 3. I'm a huge fan of that franchise. I, I that. Yeah, strongly disliked that installment of the sea. I mm. really do not like that movie. And then all of a sudden, he comes back with Upgrade. Yeah. And Upgrade changed the game for him in my eyes as a director. And now I have all the faith in the world in him for invisible man so maybe i mean it, it but, still but, doesn't but really she, fit but, but like maybe know, maybe she does need her upgrade in order to really make the most out of an opportunity like this but you know the other the other reason why i emphasize style is so important is just because of the visual challenges of making a movie with an invisible character it's like Part of the reason why I have great faith in Lee Wanell working with that concept, one that we we have a trailer now that plays yeah. very well, but also look at what he did with Upgrade, with a character that was kind of inhabited by another being mm. and just the visual style and what he was able to achieve with something like that. That, to me, paves the way so obviously to Invisible Man, whereas... She's got nothing in her wheelhouse that would suggest to me that you could do something interesting with that concept. Why didn't you go to Olivia Wilde for this? That's a woman who comes onto the scene, actress. She's working on something else. Well, figure it out. Booksmart has style. Booksmart has a style. Well, Booksmart Booksmart's a a terrific movie. It is. Also an underseen movie, underappreciated movie. Annapurna dropped the ball on that by releasing that uh, wide in May. They should have held that back for like October or even November. Or select cities and and platforms. But also a director like Todd Haynes, who does movies that are very much his style. Mm -hmm. Like I'm Not There and uh, uh, Velvet Goldmine. Um, But then he makes a movie like Dark Waters, which is very sort of, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say contemporary, but it's broad. And Dark Waters is a great movie. Well, mm-hmm. Gus Van Sant does that too. Gus Van Sant will, when he started out, independent stuff, then dipped into the dipped into the main. 
mainstream stuff, then dip back out whenever you felt like it. So to me, I'm just I'm concerned here also because look, she she is uh, uh, very powerful as a woman. She wants to push. She is very much a feminist, and I appreciate that because that is something that she wants to accomplish in this world. And and you got to respect that. But women didn't come out and see Charlie's Angels. What is we have to understand? We have to figure out what Elizabeth Banks. Um, power is or attraction is and if the fans or if movie going public want to go see her material so I think we'll see after Invisible Woman have, where we're at with her. I have a very hard time believing that Charlie's Angels as a box office failure is her fault or any member of that cast's fault. I think we are in a very Who's blaming the cast? I'm I not think blaming the cast. No, I, I don't think it's any individual. Like, like I don't think you could look at a movie like that and say this failed because of you. Nobody right. wants to see your movies. No right. one wants to see ladies' well, movies. I'm not movie. saying that. I'm it, just saying it is nothing to do with that. I think it's more of just a landscape concern. We happen to have been in a major lull at the box office, end of October, beginning of November. You had something like Joker just sweep the box office for sure. so many weeks. Then all of a sudden, you got people saving their money for Frozen Two and all the holiday movies coming up. We were just in a crappy time at the box office i think if that if charlie's angels again had been released any other time of year maybe it would have had a better chance i'm not saying that would have been a smash hit but i don't think it was any individual's fault where i will think about that and say you know the next time elizabeth banks directs a movie it's probably going to be a box office bomb because people didn't turn up for her last one why wouldn't you why do you have to why do you have to cop out by saying it this here this no People come to see whatever they want to come to see and what they don't want to come see. And if they didn't want to come see it, that says volumes. This is a female-led action movie that was touted as such. So if people didn't show up, it can't just be where it was released. There has to be more involved here. It can't just of be. Of course, where there's, always you, you, there's always a million factors. There's always a million factors out, involved. Right, but, right. But, but well, I would put. I would. I would put no. I mean, there's there's tons of things you well, could loop in marketing and say that say the fair. studio cut shitty trailers for that Absolutely, movie. Maybe that that, that was a yeah, big or, or thing. Maybe, but I, maybe there's something to the fact that you're talking about when you have a property that hasn't had a theatrical presence in a mm-hmm. very very long yeah. time. Doctor Sleep, which I loved. Doctor Sleep was great, and it bombed. Well, it bombed. It, uh, mm. it didn't do well. Charlie's no, Angels, the last bombed. movie came out, it bombed. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> I, hate, I hate saying it, but I'm it's true. Speak the truth here. But uh, look, Charlie's Angels, the the last two movies, the last one, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle came out in 2003. I loved Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. I thought that was an awesome, great time at the movies. But mm. but that was 2003. But there's mm-hmm. another thing you can point to, right? Brightburn came out earlier this year. Gone. Who who's leading that? Her. Her right. and the kid. But so it's like, is there a track that, from that a movie a, going public? That was a smaller release. That, was that wasn't, small, that wasn't like a main... Her track record, I don't understand. What is, we would analyze any other person this way. It has nothing to do with her track record. Then I can make the exact opposite argument with her involvement in the Pitch Perfect franchise. Which was what? 10, 15, 10 years ago. And she hasn't, like, when was... When I was think you're the dating the movie a little bit. No, what, what do you mean, the second one or the first one? She's I mean, the, funny well, as hell in the, the first, first one. The first and the second, and even the first one she 15 years ago. Yeah, she didn't direct the first one. Yeah, she, the first, she, but she was, the she was still a big presence. That that role has has a presence. And so was Higgins, right? Because they were essentially the same character. They were essentially the same character. They were a duo the whole time. I don't know. They're, we're going to talk in cir- <laughs> we're going to talk in circles I'm if we saying, if we yeah, keep yeah. this up. But I still think that Charlie's Angels isn't a, isn't a good example of saying like you are box office poison right, for agree. anybody I involved. Okay. I, th- I think that's more of a of a landscape and a and a branding issue. I think the if anything, it's, was it's than, people just weren't into another Charlie's Angels uh, that's movie. That's the bottom line. 
Or not into another so, reboot, remake, sequel, whatever you want to. Brie Larson, Brand Gal Gadot, and Lupita Nyong'o were in this Charlie's Angels. Do you think it would do the same at eight point nine? John, million? John, if if Emma I Sto- don't think wait, so. John, if Emma Stone and Jennifer Lawrence were going to be in this uh, version of Charlie's Angels, which is who they were going after, yeah. that would have been a different movie. I agree. There's the difference. But if it you had a just budget that was if you had where a big, it's released, well, yeah. it's attraction. With that in mind, then go back to uh, I mean, Zombieland did fairly well, but yeah, Zombieland, right. Zombieland had Jesse Eisenberg, Woody. Harrelson, um, Emma Stone. Stone. It yeah. had Luke Wilson, Thomas. Mitt. You could go Rosario on and on Frost. about all yeah. the famous faces in that, and it still wasn't necessarily like a smash hit. You know right. what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, neither so, was the know. original, but it yeah, did I was well. Saying, I didn't expect it to be. A but smash anyway. Going around yeah. circles here. The, the question, I mean, we talk about this all the time, yeah. the, the value of, of a name on a poster and is that changing with the times and, you know, even the value of a brand name on a poster and how much we're really interested yeah. in seeing certain successful franchises come back to the big screen. And that conversation is going to continue because those movies aren't going to stop happening anytime soon. <laughs> Let's take a couple Twitter questions uh, before, uh, live chat questions before we say Goodbye. Oh, no. I see, like, a message from Dorian here. Wait, let me read this really quick because yeah. it has your name in it, Roka. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> Is he saying you can't do mailbag? Oh. You better be able to do mailbag. Dor- Dorian wrote, um, I haven't seen Roka be this positive about a review since the Transformers movies. <laughs> oh, oh liar. man. I was positive no, I, about Rambo. I know. You're positive about 1917. Wait, yeah, you're very excited about that movie. Huh? It better have been the first Transformers or Bumblebee. I love all the Transformers movies I except the second one. I love Bumblebee. One. I hate, I like the first one. I love Bumblebee. I hate everything. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, it's a shame because it made yeah. four and a half billion dollars. So well, you were wrong. money is not everything. <laughs> well, all right, here's it is my, in Hollywood. I yeah. got a Thanksgiving question for you. Um, uh, D-A-N-G-M-Q asks, favorite uh, Thanksgiving food? Favorite Thanksgiving food? Yeah. Oh, mashed potatoes. It's tough. I'm a big mashed potatoes Me and guy. you. Oh, tough. of course. <laughs> I, I would probably eat nothing else on the table yeah. and just eat a I big bowl of mashed, mashed potatoes. potatoes. Bring it on. Turkey's already given for all of us, I think. Uh, stuffing would be my choice. Stuffing with grace. Okay. Stuffing stuffing with do you guys potatoes. cook? Uh, no, but I eat the cooking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good at eating the cooking. I, have I don't even before. eat the cooking. I eat the food that my family ordered in because no one in my family cooks. <laughs> You knew it was going to be true. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I right. thought they were going to ask, what's your favorite Thanksgiving movie to watch on Thanksgiving Oh, we, Well, we've discussed that a little bit, but what's your pick? I love Sound of Music. So, Sound oh, okay. of Music is we such a heard good Sound of Music as a holiday movie, you know, whether it's Thanksgiving weekend or Christmas weekend. It's a timeless, timeless classic. Do you know what my pick is? Uh, for our favorite Thanksgiving yes. movie? No. <laughs> It's Final Destination because nothing brings my family together faster than a Final Destination movie. <laughs> Final, I never would have guessed that. <laughs> exactly, that's why I asked. Who watches movies on Thanksgiving? It's three football games. The NFL, uh, that's what the oh, answer no, is. Okay. I, you un-Americans. It's about football, football, damn it. I have to watch some football. That's I have to right, watch you the, do. I have to watch the Bears game. <laughs> All right, let's see how many more we can get in right now. All right. Jonathan Caro says... If you have seen the the uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Parade or any other parade, what's your favorite parade float? Also, uh, what character would you create for your own parade float? Jeez. Baby freaking Yoda. Yeah. Oh, a balloon. Good answer. Good Baby answer. Yoda. That is the answer, I think. Yeah. I, I've been to the Thanksgiving uh, family in New York, so I've been to Thanksgiving many times. You know, come on, what's a Thanksgiving parade without Spider-Man? Spider-Man uh, okay. is Fair a great point. float. Spider-Man is New York City. Yeah. Spider-Man is, the, I think, the ultimate big balloon float at a, at a parade, and especially at Thanksgiving. I like uh, Homer Simpson whenever he's afloat. 
Uh, or is it Bart? Whenever, wh- wh- either one of the Simpsons, because there's always some interesting cracks they make whenever the Simpsons come rolling by with their thing. Even will be your favorite. Well, would even be as it. a lifelong New Yorker, you know, I've never actually seen the Thanksgiving Day Parade live. The only thing I've mm. ever I've steered clear, and also because. One of my first jobs out of college was working for the local news there, New York One. And oh. I always, like, I purposely wanted to take Thanksgiving off to spend uh-huh. with my family. And yeah. I would usually work on Christmas. But I did cover the night before when they blow up the balloons. Sure, and there. that's yeah. that's really cool because you could walk right up to it. It's like I have a picture of myself standing, like, right in front of it. And I'm, like, this teeny little thing in front of this oh, that's giant. Cool. <laughs> no, but that, that part was very cool. But I like watching it on TV. You know, Thanksgiving parade, the Rose Bowl parade, going to. Times Square in New York City. Uh, that Times is Square. an experience that I've done. You got to do that at least once. Once, and once then you do it. You're like never again. Yeah, yeah. Once is more than because like I, I didn't even go as as like a like a person being corralled. That's that night I went for work, and yeah. even just being there with a press badge, being able to go in and out to an extent. Like I mean, we were there for for hours and hours, and it was in. I think it was ringing in 2009 and it was something like the coldest New Year's on record in something like decades. It was freezing. At the very end of that night, I was uh, assigned to film the cleanup and they have like big like tractor thingies pushing, you know, stuff around and one rolled over a full bottle of water and it popped all over oh, me, and oh, by the, oh, wow. but by the time I looked down, it had all frozen over on my coat. Oh, <laughs> it was cold. It, no, it was that cold. It was weird. It was a crazy night, but it was a good experience. Very cool. All right, one more holiday-related right. question before we go. Um, Dorian added more, so I lost the one I wanted. Oh, here it is. Uh, Fillmore Pockets is asking <laughs> which three props from all of the TV shows and movies in 2019 would you wait in a Black Friday line to purchase? Jesus. It's props. a good question. Baby Forky, Yoda. I love, I love props. Forky. I want Forky? A, I mean, Forky's <laughs> You're going to wait in line for an animated prop. I, I, I just want a real Forky. I just want a little Forky to sit with me and thanks. I don't know if there's anything I'd I would wait in line to steal something from the mansion and Knives Out. Oh, okay. I want one one piece of of decoration. I don't know specifically what I would want. I think I would want the the clock in uh, Christopher Plummer's bedroom. There's just like a really cool old school looking clock. I think I would take that. I would stand in line for Captain America's shield from Avengers Endgame signed Uh, by Chris Evans. Oh, wow. You just like raised the bar. That's 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 that's, that's like peak purchase. right? Because I don't stand in line for stuff anymore. Right. You just it's not worth the hassle. So I was like, if there's one thing I'm going to stand, I'm going to make it a big thing and just one thing. And I just, I would stand in line for, I know this isn't film, it's TV, but for a uniform, full uniform, shirt, pants, the boots, oh. uh, from Star Trek Discovery, oh. but wait a minute, the crew of the Enterprise. Oh, nice. Okay. So Captain Pike's uniform like from the Enterprise with the gold shirt and the black Anson pants. Anson Mounts, yeah. A- Anson Mounts uniform. Yeah. Uh, you guys really I think go probably for sell it. Those. Oh, yeah. You know, I but, feel it. Like, I feel like my mind goes to more practical things. Like, what can I reasonably put in my apartment? Oh, <laughs> so it's go. like I'm thinking, yeah. like I'd probably wait in line even for a pair of screen youth scissors from us. Like oh, I would go they, for. Yeah. I would go well, for all my favorite, mm. like my favorite movies. Well, here's the thing with all the stuff that we're getting, you know, with all the year end stuff, all yeah. the slack from the studios. Yeah, that could be coming. 
Do you know how many pairs of scissors we already have in the studio? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, you know, for all the mailers since yeah. the very beginning of that, oh, I'm surprised that right? no yeah. one in this office dressed up as someone who is tethered because we have a million scissors floating around. And the sad thing is they don't actually cut anything. They oh. don't They don't work. Yeah. <laughs> no, no they shouldn't work. <laughs> don't give a pair of scissors to John. Well, it's also because like scissors in, in the Collider office are like gold. It's yeah. like if you buy a pair of scissors, someone will take them and not put them back at some point. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to sell mine. Hey, if you want to buy them reach out to me (laughs) all right guys that's it for today's movie talk so we will not be back tomorrow i hope you enjoy the holiday with your family your friends your loved ones but we will have an episode a special episode for you on friday so stay tuned for that and as far as live movie talks go i'm missing the beginning of next week because i'm going to go do some coverage of the marvelous miss mazel season three and guess who is in charge Get ready. Get ready. Right. This guy. Get ready. <laughs> You're in good hands. Roka Mans, thank you so much for thank spending you, your Wednesday Always morning with me. It really rock. is. Awesome. Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. You guys rock. Thanks so much for everything. To everybody out there, do not leave without liking and sharing this video. And also, don't go anywhere else after this except for Collider Live. Have a wonderful holiday, everyone. See you soon.